1: the Nick D podcast. (laughs) I'm Nick DiGiulio and I am your host Uh, and this is the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world. Please check out all the other amazing podcasts that are here. They are entertaining and informative and uh, funny uh, and just uh, great and uh, you should check them out. Radiomisfits.com. Please take the time to rate and review us on every single platform that you can. We want to hear back from you with some feedback uh, you can uh, leave a voicemail here 24-7. By the way, uh, we encourage voicemails. We listen to every one of them. We play many of them back uh, on the podcast as well. If um, you have a message, a megaphone message that you would like me to say into the Magic Megaphone that you can hear for all uh, to hear a secret message, a joke, something that you want to say into the megaphone, well, uh, you can just uh, leave a voicemail uh, or any other uh, contribution or suggestion, anything. We encourage feedback. We encourage voicemails 24-7, 773-417-6948. Drop us an email anytime you want, Podcast at gmail.com with any kind of questions or any kind of comments. nickdpodcast at gmail.com for anything. Uh, you can be a sponsor. Advertise with us on the Nick D Podcast. We reach a lot of people. So check it out. Say, hey, I would like to be a sponsor. I would like to advertise. Sales at radiomisfits.com. And my thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the music and the sounds and the weirdness and the awesomeness that he provides as well. It is episode 131 right here. And uh, coming up, uh, Dan Feinberg is going to join us. He joins me every other week to talk television. He writes for The Hollywood Reporter. He's got a website called The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. Lots of TV to talk about, lots of new TV, lots of old TV. Something pretty big happened on a little show called Succession, which, by the way, I predicted would happen. And I'm not kidding. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll skirt around it, I guess, in, in case there are spoilers uh, out there. We'll give you enough time to talk about that. But there's a lot of new TV to talk about, as there are always. It's great to talk to Dan Feinberg. For your TV fan, there is nobody better to talk TV than Dan Feinberg. You had a TV question that we can ask Dan anytime, anything about any kind of television that you want to ask. Again, leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948 or email us at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We will be happy to share your TV question with Dan. He'll be coming up. Uh, Esmeralda Leon joins me, as she always does. Uh, we'll do another Magic Megaphone. I think we've got some more Mexican candy to taste. And we're going to be talking about more bad solutions to bad problems. Things that you think are going to fix it, they don't fix it. They make it worse. And a lot of other things that are happening. Esmeralda has celebrated a birthday over the weekend. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. That's right. Every Tuesday to kick off your week of new podcasts my dad stops by and says, Hey, let me tell a joke. He has to push this woman out of the way.
2: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show.
1: I know you do, baby. Thank you, Carrie Russell. Looking forward to your new show. I don't know if uh, Dan Feinberg has seen it yet. We'll have to ask him. Uh, he, her new show is called The Diplomat.
2: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show.
1: And that is not a cheap hotel near the river in Lincoln Village. Man, that is a specific reference to people only in Chicago. <laughs> No, it's not about that. It's not about that.
2: I love Nick's show.
1: It's not about that motel. Okay. Uh, Man, I just really, just really localized this thing big time. All right. All right. So, uh, Ezreal to Leon a little bit later. My dad's telling a joke a little bit later. But right after I say congratulations that you should enjoy being congratulated, Dan Feinberg will join us to talk TV.
0: Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today It makes the other podcasts seem like crap Oh yeah, don't be a jag off
3: Fein, Feinberg,
1: Dan Feinberg. And now, all the way from somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. Ah, yes. Uh, We love to talk TV here on the Nick D Podcast. And when we talk TV, we talk with Dan Feinberg, who is the finest TV critic in the world as far as I'm concerned. Writes for the Hollywood Reporter uh, was a part of my old radio show and has been a regular on this podcast since the beginning. You can check out all his stuff at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. Hello, Dan. What is up, Nick? How
0: are you, buddy? I'm okay. It's uh, right. Passover, so I'm being fueled by matzah. Ah. So, oh, well,
1: yes, yes, absolutely. Well, that is Passover. always
0: exciting. and um, and we were just talking off air about the fact that the thing that everyone's talking about in TV less this week. Let's be perfectly honest; is the thing that we don't want to ruin for right. your wonderful listeners. Right. So,
1: I, I, yeah, I and, and I, I was thinking, okay, can we broach this topic? Can we do the? And no, I think so we, I, don't I
0: think wanna... we can. I think we can broach the topic, which is to say there was a hell of an episode of Succession on Sunday, but I don't know if we want to broach the specifics of the topic.
1: Right. We will not get into the specifics of the topic, other than that my interpretation of the episode is different than most people's. (laughs) I, I or think at least my discuss. reaction. Which we discussed and again, it. I
0: think we can discuss that because we because we've talked regularly about uh, both about our shared conviction that the show is primarily a comedy. Absolutely. And while yes. the episode on Sunday, and again, it spoils nothing to say this was not primarily a hilarious episode for most people. You apparently found it very funny.
1: So... I laughed my I laugh my ass off during the whole thing. Um, so, <laughs> and I don't know what that says about me. But and and again, and this is a, this is a thing though that like. Um, you know, the the fact is that Succession is, you know, you and I have talked about this all the time. It is, in fact, a comedy. And how it became a drama and how it's been awarded all the drama awards is even a mystery to people like Brian Cox, who has admitted that he was surprised that they'd won in the drama category. Um, but yeah, I and, and, and again, we've talked about this before. Is it because it has a better chance of winning in the drama?
0: It's on, like honestly, primarily it's the laziness of how we treat hour-long shows versus half-hour. I don't, I don't think it's that much more complex than okay. that. If you consider okay. that also uh, that White Lotus, which is another show that without hesitation I consider to be entirely a comedy, no question. is going to be submitted as a as right. a drama okay. this time right.
1: around. Okay, and so, so it's basically t- it's the length. It's a sixty-minute show. And, it's, and it's, it's the okay.
0: length, but it's but it's it's such ridiculousness uh because you know for example why is succession a a drama and the marvelous mrs mazel is a comedy just because the marvelous mrs mazel has a character who's a comedian that that to me is is kind of ridiculousness also and and the, the strangeness of what this does for hbo when Again, not to spoil anything specific, the episode of Succession that aired on Sunday is going to be very hard to beat in a lot of Emmy categories, of and course. so, yeah. and so all of these things that you know HBO might have thought that, for example, the Nick Offerman Murray Bartlett episode of This Is Una- of the Last of Us was going to be a major contender in like writing and directing categories and stuff like that. I, it's my guess that that conversation is basically over um and so and so yeah but there are just so many strange categorizations that are are happening this year whether it's swarm being a limited series or whatever netflix ends up doing with beef which we'll talk about in a few minutes where where it's either going to be limited or it's going to be comedy but Some people, if you try calling it comedy, you're going to say it's not a comedy, even though I'd say it probably is. (laughs) Who who says beef isn't a comedy? I think there's (laughs) – here's the problem. I think a lot of people have
1: difficulties accepting the idea that satire
0: can be dark.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I, yeah, I guess I don't have that problem, considering I laughed my ass off during the last and, episode And of neither succession. do I. I, 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 I can
0: I can distinguish between these things, and I can distinguish between shows that are clearly dramas that have comedic elements. I'll say this over and over and over again, Mad Men is one of the funniest shows ever made. Yeah. But under no circumstances would I tell you that Mad Men was a comedy. It's, it. it's a drama that yep. was very funny. But so, so yeah, it, it, there's, there's just, it comes down to gradations. And so if people were also disturbed by something or found it intense, like, I don't know how you distinguish between the way in which uh, beef is hard to watch or the way that Swarm is hard to watch and the way that The Office is hard to watch because for me, they're shows that cause me to look away from the television. Yeah. Squirm Squirmy anxiety comedy is squirmy anxiety comedy. Right. But, And I respond to that. (laughs) Clearly, I do. (laughs) And as do I, for the most part, also because I think anyone reasonable will tell you that in every comedic situation, there's going to be drama if it's going to be well-wrought. And in any dramatic situation, there's going to be comedy if it's well-wrought. So nothing is black and white, really. All right.
1: Uh, now I understand that you are taking is your the the podcast is taking the week off, right? Uh, we took
0: week? we took a week off last week just because last it week, was okay. it was too hard to throw things together because of, of Passover and Easter and, gotcha. and stuff. So we took a week okay. off, but we will we will definitely be back this week. Um, probably because of our format, we're better set up to to do a little segmentation. So I suspect that we will probably on uh, TV's top five podcast dropping Friday uh, probably talk about success there uh also the difference in our spoiler culture between talking about things that aired on Sunday on Tuesday versus Friday it seems like a big deal but it's yeah. it's all just how you well, how you it's how funny you tiptoe
1: because it, it, we are taping this n- n- no surprise to people it's monday and so the the episode of succession that we were talking about aired last night and while it was normally i watch it when it airs you know uh, uh you know um it, I'll watch it at 9 p.m. Central, okay? Um, or you know, yeah. And so 8, p- 8 p.m. Central, isn't it? Uh, is it? I don't even know. Yes, eight. <laughs> yes, I think it's. I think it's nine Eastern. I nine think nine Eastern, but... eight Okay, all right. All, okay, well, whenever it is. But the point is that I was recording something for my other pod, my Saturday Night Live podcast, last night. And so I did not watch it live. Um, and I and I did and I finished recording the interview for my for my SNL podcast. And then I walked over to my couch, and I turned on the TV, and I watched it on demand without looking at my phone, okay? <laughs> now, had I looked at my phone, um, I would have – because literally two minutes after the thing aired, it was ruined for a, a millions of people just Sad by going to social media. You know what I mean? Of course. Uh, and, and it and – it, I'm not going to get into the details, but something happens and it would would have been ruined had I looked at my phone literally two minutes before I turned on my TV. It's it's
0: tough and it's tough to know what the responsibility is and it's tough to know, you know, what the time frame is, what the context is. You know, everyone look we're all we're all negotiating this nonsense. uh, We're all negotiating this nonsense together and pissing the world off together. So, right,
1: right. Well, okay, so by Friday, you'll be able to talk around it. I uh, think. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's going to be in your 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 podcast will be dropping on Friday, and everybody can check that out at Hollywood Reporter. Indeed. Okay, cool. All right. Um well before we get into uh some of the stuff that you you talked about and reviewed for the fine print, and before we get into beef, uh which we will get into, uh SNL. There there have been two SNLs since we last spoke.
0: Um and Quinta uh, Quinto was the other one. Okay. I had to go through yes, in my mind who yes. the other one was.
1: Yes. Uh, and so one of them was hosted by Molly Shannon and one of them was ho- hosted by Quinta Brunson. And one of them was the best show of the season. And it was not, and it was not the Molly Shannon episode. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I thought the Quinta Brunson episode was unbelievably great. I thought it was great. um, she was, fan- I mean, it goes without saying that she's fantastic. And just, you know, first of all, putting her into like the dressing her up as weird guys was enough that cracked me up. <laughs> like the, the drug dealer, the, the cocaine, that cocaine is so white uh, sketch, which I think a lot of people hated, I thought was hilarious. Uh, and the episode with the HR with Mr. Penis, with the Penis Brothers, uh, where she came out dressed up like a <laughs> guy, all that stuff cracked me up. Uh, I thought the show. What did you think of the Quinta Brunson episode? Because I laughed consistently throughout the entire episode.
0: I thought it was good, and I thought it was reflective of the fact that her that her background is such that it that is the kind of thing that she really can do. There is no reason why Quinta Brunson, with a slightly different career path, couldn't be a regular on on SNL. She mm-hmm. is she is that kind of performer and yep. has that kind of versatility. Yep. I liked. I, I like you liked the way that they. Steered into jokes where they dressed her up as a man rather right. than steering into Quinta Brunson's really, really tiny and looks right. like a child jokes, right. which is right. sort of the – like it's, it's the two most obvious ways to change up the way that people look at her and I feel like people sort of lean into the, oh, she looks like she's 10 – uh, which is also a major recurring joke on Abbott Elementary as yeah. well. Yeah. No, I, I thought she was I thought she was really good and really funny. Um I don't know necessarily that I would have said it was the best episode of the season, but I thought she acquitted herself excellently. Um yeah. but but now I'm now I'm curious and a little bit worried about about your apparent disappointment in the Molly Shannon episode, given I... what you had invested.
1: Well, uh, I mean, if for, for you know anybody who regularly knows me or listens to me on Envy, Molly Shannon is my favorite uh, female cast member in the history of SNL. She's one of my favorite people on the planet. I love her. I adore her. Um, and I don't think the writers did her uh, a favor. Um, I thought uh, a few of the sketches were good. I thought she was fine, you know. And she did, you know, you know, I, like I love the fact that they brought Sally O'Malley in at the end, and you know, and I thought the Jonas Brothers thing was funny, and her you know with the with the camel toe and the, all of that stuff like the Sally O'Malley thing that's gold for me all the time and there were other sketches that I thought were that were great I uh um I liked the um uh the stand up comedian uh uh you know uh, and and the, the and the rib at uh, the Chris Rock special I liked that very much uh like the you know the I'm pregnant but I farted really that joke went on forever um the Valet thing. I thought some of that was kind of funny, but she seemed off. Um, I don't know. I just don't think that the writers came through for her like they should have. Um, I, that's just that's just me. But there were parts of it that were great, and I love her. But I was disappointed with what I thought sh- sh- should have been a much better show.
0: Wait, before – okay, before we talk about this, I I just sort of remembered, and I want to make sure we get to it, because we didn't talk about what I thought was honestly perhaps the best part of the Quentin Brunson episode, which was the uh, Michael Che um, April Fool's joke on Colin Jost. Oh,
1: phenomenal.
0: Which was was so fantastic, because I I had been – like him, I'd been sitting there going, huh, is the audience finding it hard to laugh about this just because – there's been so much of it because they want the trump indictment stuff to be so real like is it just not funny anymore yeah and you could you could watch him and you could see the desperation growing as he's like why are they not laughing at this it's gold and the reveal that he had told the audience not to laugh was fantastic it was
1: awesome (laughs) yeah no it was great i you know seriously one of the best parts of the entire show and I think indicative of the, I, I thought, you know, indicative of the entire episode, because I thought the whole episode was, was great. And, and in the, the Cocaine So White, my favorite one, that favorite joke was, <laughs> this cocaine is so white, it's whiter than season two of The Wire. That, to me, was... <laughs>
0: I am, down, I am so. just, I, I, know, I know it's thin-skinned of me, but I, I am very <laughs> sensitive to insulting of season two of The Wire. Listen,
1: me too, it's my favorite season. It's my favorite season of The Wire. Uh, and but
0: but like so much of that season, people are like, "There's not enough of the corner kids." And while that's true, come on, I, no, I know. Look,
1: look, Dan, hey, 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 listen, I'm, Dan. I am with you a hundred percent on that. Okay, a hundred percent. But it's still, I went, oh God! Like I laughed out loud, like when they said it's season two, of it's whiter than the. I, two I am
0: just, I am just thin-skinned on that. I am not gonna, I am not gonna deny
1: it. It's, it's my own personal
0: sensitivity. No,
1: no, 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 and I am with you a thousand percent on that, Dan. Trust me. But I just like it made me laugh, uh, and it's like, God, you really are going to continue to tell these jokes twenty years later. All right. At,
0: at least, Hey, at least people are still talking about it. That exactly. I can, that exactly. I can accept. So, okay. So
1: going to Molly, Molly Shannon, Molly Shannon. Yeah.
0: It, the episode did suffer from one of those problems, which I feel like is sometimes the case with returning cast members, but not always, where they kind of lean excessively into playing the greatest hits. So the fact that they had to have multiple Mary Catherine Gallagher references um, and then Sally O'Malley and then Jean, uh, Jeannie Darcy, Jeannie Darcy uh, yeah. it, it really felt to me like like they didn't have anything knew that they wanted to do with her and that upset me because she is of course by nature so totally gung-ho a comic i mean she will do absolutely anything for a laugh it is one of the best things about her and so when you have a cast of people who will who in some cases will also do that like put put her in a scene with sarah sherman and let them both go utterly crazy together i don't i don't see how you don't do that and and they didn't, and I and there were a lot of things where it felt like that to me, where where just the opportunities to let Molly Shannon do Molly Shannon things just didn't materialize, and I was disappointed with it. I was really kind, I was kind of worried you were going to come and say that, that that it was the best episode of the oh, season, no, and I was going to no, be like,
1: really, no, really, no, Nick? No, no, but no. no, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, I just, you know, and I agree with everything that you said. Um, and but I mean, the the fact is that she makes me laugh even when the stuff isn't very good. I still like watching her. She's, you know, and I and 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 also when the stuff's not really good, I like this cast a lot too. So there's still things in it even though when the writing is poor and and you know and mis misguided. Uh, I'll still laugh at some stuff because I like the people genuinely. Like like Keenan Thompson, uh, just kills in every sketch. The whole uh the the whole vagina medication thing, uh, the second half of that sketch with just him was hilarious, you know. And, um, and
0: it was funny that that, that for that scene, it, her stuff wasn't really funny. No, it a- wasn't. And then Keenan came in, and yeah. he was all the punchlines. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I yeah, that that to me yeah. felt like it was also a miss. But no, right. I complete, I completely agree. Keenan comes in, and suddenly that sketch becomes extremely funny. Exactly. Yeah. But that's not, getting, that's not getting use out of its resources.
1: No, it's not. Think. You're right. And, 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 you know, like I said, I mean, it was, it was disappointing in that regard. Um, and they, these Please Don't Destroy guys. Here's how good the Quinta Brunson episode was. Their sketch was even funny. Like the, the whole, like, uh, you know, the, we're going to go to the food places in New York and we're going to go to a Bogota. I mean, all of that, that was, that was funny. That, that was the first time I ever consistently laughed at a please don't destroy video.
0: You liked that though, because the entire, the entire premise of it was that these are the worst, least funny people in the world and, and eventually they're going to get jumped at a bodega. That was the reason why you liked that sketch. (laughs) Well, now that you analyze it. Yeah.
1: I think that's pretty much why I did.
0: I Um. I I understand why you (laughs) thought it was funny, but I also understand why you thought it was funny. Whereas,
1: uh, (laughs) well, I think the concept of of the Molly Shannon video game is was kind of funny, Um, and you know, like her getting obsessed with it, I thought was kind of funny. But that it that again. You know, I don't know, it underperformed as did most of the episode. So.
3: <sighs>
0: Sigh. yeah. Well, um, I, I wish I could feel more convinced that Anada Armas was likely to be funny next week, but <laughs> we'll see. well And the thing is, I think that she's actually very she's capable of being very funny. Um, yeah. I am perhaps one of the five fans of Knock
1: Knock out there. No, I'm a huge fan of that oh, movie. Oh,
0: okay. See, no, 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 no,
1: no, no. That, <laughs> that actually might be my favorite Eli Roth movie. Oh, it's easily my yeah. favorite Eli Roth movie. And, I'm a fan, and of, I'm a fan half- of Cabin Fever. I'm, a, I'm actually
0: a fan of Cabin Fever. I, I, I'm, ex- I'm accepting of both Cabin Fever and uh, and Hostel. I think Hostel has things the in first it that one. are... Yeah, oh, for one. sure. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. Only the yeah. first one. Yeah. Uh, but no, Knock Knock to me, especially in its
1: second yeah. half, yeah. is... So funny. Oh, it's great. I, it's great. And it's Keanu, for God's sake. I mean, you know, so, no, no. I'm a, you know, listen, maybe just you and me. We're alone I, in this island. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Knock Knock. She's great in it, too. She's
0: glad great. to hear it. So, yeah, yeah, so that is kind of what I go to as my example, that if you, if you give her the right material, she is genuinely funny. Yeah. And I, I don't know that
1: they're going yeah, to. Yeah, well, so. we'll see. I mean, I'm curious. I'm I, I, You know, obviously I'm curious, and I'll watch it because it's SNL. So there you go. But yet, overall, disappointed with the Molly Shannon uh, um, episode. Uh, not nearly as good as when she hosted in 2007. It was a that was a much better, uh, much better show. 2007
0: so. was a long time ago. Nick. It was. I
1: know. <laughs> I know, but that's the only t- the only other time she hosted. So anyway, all right. Uh, well, we mentioned Beef, um, which is now streaming on Netflix. Uh, it's ten episodes. Why don't you explain if you can? <laughs> What beef is, and then because uh, I watched the whole thing in one sitting, so uh, all right, beef. Okay,
0: it's it's not. I, I don't know. I don't know that this one is as hard as we talked about swarm or touched on swarm earlier. We talked yeah. about it in full last time. That one was one where it was really tough to explain. Uh, beef is. Uh, uh, Stephen Yan plays a a struggling contractor who gets into a road rage incident with a character played by Ali Wong, and um, n- neither one of them is willing to let it go. And in the process of of this expression of their frustration and anger, the kind of frustration and anger that probably they had never had the opportunity to express to the world in this way before, they both go wildly and horrifyingly overboard, and things escalate uh over ten episodes would be how I would describe it right
1: and in, and it affects uh, and then you get to see the personal lives of both of these characters and the and the the show is split between their stories and then how they cross paths every once in a while and what this whole road rage incident means to them and how it affects their behavior and how it affects their lives. Separately and, and, and in
0: both of their cases, how it stems from their upbringings. Yes. And uh, so there are flashbacks to both of their, yeah, their yeah. youth. And so, so there's all of that as well. Uh, but yes, we, we do see their respective families and just the, the corrosive impact of this sort of
1: anger. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, now you didn't write about this. You didn't. You didn't review this one.
0: I did not. Uh, my colleague Angie Han reviewed it, and uh, she she loved it and wrote very excellently in the Hollywood Reporter on it. Uh, so I believe this is my first time talking in any uh, serious depth. I'd hope to talk about it on yeah last week's TV's top five, but time ran out. So uh, well, we, what, <laughs> what,
1: let's hear let's hear what you thought of it. Uh,
0: I, I think it's I think it's really terrific, and I think it's terrific primarily because of how good uh, Stephen Young and and Ali Wong are. And in neither case, is it a shock? Like, I I think we expect a certain sharpness out of Ali Wong. I don't know that there has been any indication that she has this kind of dramatic depth to her, but yeah. she absolutely does. Uh, with Steven Janitz, it's in no way surprising, but it's so great to see some of the things he gets to to do. Um, the, the third episode, I believe, uh, has a scene the, the with him at, at church yeah. listening mm-hmm. to a praise choir. Yeah, I mean. And the camera's just on him, basically. Yeah. It, it cuts a couple times, but it still is on him for roughly five minutes as he goes through an emotional journey that that it's just stunning to watch. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so good. Yep. Um, I'm I'm already I'm already nervous that this show could might be too odd for Emmy voters, and so I'm already getting prepared to be somewhere between angry and 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 homicidal if neither of them get nominations. Uh, I you know I I think there's enough praise for it that it probably will. But anyway, he is so good. Um and, and and the show sometimes is extremely funny and and to me the escalation of it is in a, a comedic vein throughout sometimes the way things progress it has almost a, a looney tunes aspect to it where you think that there's a certain amount of violence that you can tolerate as being humorous and then you pass by that threshold and then you go oh probably shouldn't be finding this humorous anymore and and the stakes just keep rising and rising and the show becomes more and more comfortable with its um with its ability to break format, with its ability to break tone. The last couple episodes go um a very not exactly unexpected but unusual place emotionally and tonally that I I thought was was entirely earned and uh just very effective. And then once you get past Stephen Young and Ali Wong uh, the the cast is 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 great. I thought Joseph Lee, who plays Ali Wong's character's husband, I think he gets better and better as the show goes along. Uh, young Manzino, who plays Stephen Yuen's character's um, sort of brother. slacker brother, yeah. Yeah. I think he's great. I've seen some people say less positive things about David Cho as uh, oh. Stephen
1: Young's character's cousin, but I Wait. think he's tremendous. Who <laughs> who? Why would anybody? He's unbelievable. And he's not even really an actor. He's,
0: he's not an actor, but at this point, he's now done enough acting that yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I, I think he can be. No, I've, I've seen some people complain that tonally uh, he took them out of the
1: show a tiny bit. N- so, no, I totally just, dis- he, by the way, is hilarious. Oh, absolutely. Unbelievably funny. The Vegas, ep- the Vegas episode, oh my God, I laughed that that whole episode is hilarious completely hilarious um yeah i think he's great but anyway, oh, no I, I i do all, i think he's great i
0: think he also does a really good job of being genuinely scary in addition yeah. to being genuinely funny and that's kind of where the his not being an actor part becomes interesting cuz he's he's sort of a he's for people who don't know he's primarily an artist mm-hmm. he's um but he's also been kind of a a celebrity gadfly like he he pops up he's popped up on episodes of tony bourdain's show he he's popped up a lot of and he had a he had an fx series that i'm pretty sure i'm the only human being who reviewed uh which was kind of a a reality show slash piece of a piece of therapy. Like it's really a hard thing to describe and I don't think it works entirely, but I thought it was very interesting. He's, he's a really interesting screen. Person. So, yeah, um, is. but yes. Yeah. so, okay. So let's hear, let's hear some of your thoughts.
1: Oh, I thought it was great. And, uh, and I agree with everything that you said. I was hooked from the very beginning. Um, and I loved the, the different style styles that the, that the series touches on and like you said those last couple of episodes go into like especially the the final episode uh of and you know obviously without giving anything away um but i mean like when the final episode opens with this the scene with the crows i was like what yes (laughs) what is happening and and i cracking up and not questioning it you know what i mean like i was along for the ride at that point if okay crows are talking now all right i'm cool with that i that's cool um, but I, 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 cared about the characters in, in, in many ways. And there were so many moments it's in, and, and again, you know, we're talking about like feeling uncomfortable about things. There were so many moments where I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, like, don't do, you know, <laughs> I mean, it is a squirmy show. There are a lot of things that, that, that all the main characters do where you're like, please don't do that. Oh my God, you just did that. Um, and the, and the consequences of those actions and, um, and everybody's got, you know, everybody's got an ulterior motive. Every single person in this show wants something, you know, They're, they're and, and it's, and I don't know. I just, it's, it's, it's about human nature. It's, and I love, and I, and, the, the, and then the question of, I'm like, okay, were they born on the same day? Cause there's that, <laughs> is there, like, is that, I mean, there was, it's kind of hinted at that may have, I mean, you know, obviously is they the, go Is back. that a
0: thing that was hinted? If that's the case, I missed that entirely, but that doesn't mean it didn't.
1: I mean, I, well, it's, it, to me, it was sort of hinted at like, you know, they go back to the day of each of their births. And I was thinking, well, maybe were they born exactly on the same day? Is this like a, <laughs> is this is what's happening right now? And, and like, I, but it got my brain like going off into directions that I never thought I'd go off into, um, especially watching, you know, uh, you know, like a half an hour weird comedy conceptual show. Um and everybody in it is as you mentioned is is stellar and there are acting moments that are just uh, outstanding and, and the as the two leads, Ali Wong and, and Steve Yoon are unbelievable. And um I love the idea of it and I you know uh it remind you remember the movie Changing Lanes? Mm-hmm. Um obviously it's kind of it's not really, but Changing Lanes is about uh, you know, like a an automobile accident that happens, uh, kind of between Ben Affleck and and Samuel Jackson, and this one road rage sort of accident that happens that affects their entire day and their lives, and you know, and them going after each other in in horrible ways, and and I love that movie. That's one to me. It's an insanely underrated movie from the early aughts. I love that movie, and it kind of this show kind of reminded me of that, just in its basic. I mean, where this show goes and where that movie went are completely different. But, like, thematically and the incident that happens, it it brought to mind Changing Lanes. And I'm one of the few people, like you said, there are some of, like, you think of Knock Knock? (laughs) Yeah. I think of Changing Lanes, and nobody else does.
0: Uh, No, Changing Lanes is a a really, it's a good movie. I am there with you. Uh, You know, so tonally it feels very different. to, To me, much more than that, it feels like a it feels like a correction on falling down a movie that i know has a lot of fa- fans that i don't like at yeah. all
2: mm-hmm.
0: um because it sort of simplifies white rage uh, white rage and makes it um i don't know it it's it's not a smart enough movie to critique white rage and so instead it just because uh, my my perception of conversations i've had with people about it is that they kind of look at it as as badass as opposed to this horribly pathetic thing because I believe that's a Joel Schumacher movie. Just it Joel Schumacher, Schumacher doesn't have the, doesn't have the touch to, to make it as complicated as it should be. And this to me is, is the other side of it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. what happens when people who have been culturally conditioned to feel that their anger is not socially acceptable suddenly break. Mm-hmm. And and what is it when that happens? And so the Dave Cho character, he points at a picture from the L.A. riots and and makes a joke about how he was just off to the side of the picture. Right, right. And you just and you think of the ways that rage is depicted in Asian communities in Asian in Asian cultures, and you know in this case it's it's different cultures, so it's it's not even monolithic, and that's that's impressive also. But the discussion of how um, you know, sort of Eastern Western therapy can't touch Eastern minds, which right, is sort right. of a, a running mention in the second half of the show. Right. It's just it's just an idea that that shows don't broach, and and so I loved seeing that explored, seeing that dealt uh, dealt with. Uh, I feel like we need to mention uh, Lee Sung Jin is the creator of the show, so yeah. let's let's make sure we get we yeah. get that voice yeah. out there because yeah. it's it's just such a clear piece of. A voice, and um, you know, part there. There are definitely there are smart people who were involved in the writing of it, and and you can sort of see another show I'd complain compare it to for much more direct and logical reasons. Is that a lot of the team behind uh, behind the bear worked on this? Uh, Jake Schreier is one of the directors. He directed about half of the bear. Uh, Joni Callow. Um, wrote much of The Bear and she's a consulting producer here and and I think there's a kind of similar simmering that happens throughout this show to what happens in in The Bear and um, kind of The Bear, it doesn't culminate in rage in the same way but I do think there's a a comparable intensity and uh, discomfort to the whole thing Uh, but yeah, it's it's a great LA show. It's a, it's a show that makes use of LA geography in a way that's really different and smart. Uh, yeah, it's this this to me is is a a very special show, and I would I would assume it's going to be in my top ten yeah. somewhere for the year. I I can't say with with certainty. There's a, there's a lot of the year to come, but it definitely yeah. will be in my top five or top ten for the first half of the year that I feel confident
1: in. I, I, mean, I, I loved it too. I think it's great. It's one of the best things I've watched uh, all year as well. And, and, and I really do like um, how it changes as the episodes progress. Like it's a different show the, like the, the second half of the show, the second half of the, whatever season, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, uh, it, it, it takes a lot of weird risks and changes a lot. And a lot of, a lot of things happen in that second half that you don't anticipate when you are watching the first like four or five episodes where it goes and what happens, especially those last like three episodes or so. Um, it goes into a really almost surreal, like it does. It goes into surreal uh, episodes and, and the flashbacks and like the whole, like look back at their childhood and, and the whole, and by the way, Ione Sky shows up in this um, um, as, as like a, uh, the subconscious like uh witch from a, a children 's book a famous children's book uh, uh the um the mrs uh the substitute teacher oh shit the, <laughs> the it's 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 a children 's book about a substitute teacher who is also when she wants to get her class in line she dresses up like a witch and pretends to be a witch and at one point ali wong 's child the the child version of her character is reading that book and that 's when um this Ioni sky a witch character appears uh, and it's like this, it's this haunting uh, character that, that haunts her childhood that has with her into adulthood or at least the early part of her adulthood in this flashback that they have. Um, but it's based on this real series of books, miss something or other teaches a class and the, and the witch who anyway, but Ione Sky shows up unrecognizable. <laughs> I am, I am not going to lie.
0: I had not realized that was Ione Skye, but it is a, it is a great, yeah, <laughs> it's a great. Yeah, it's a it's a great appearance, and it's and it's a great concept because she's kind of she's sort of a manifestation of repression, and yep. and and the thing that ha- and one of the things that has kin you know encouraged one of the specific characters not to not to express these feelings that she's holding inside and bottling up and bottling up. And then when the explosion happens, uh, yeah, so many good performances. Like I, you know, we haven't mentioned Maria Bello, who I think is is hilarious here and so funny and hasn't been given the opportunity to be funny in this way ever. (laughs) So
1: ever. Yeah. And then there's a, there's like, it goes to places. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a scene, a home invasion scene late in, in the, in it that is, terrifying and hilarious and also involves the use of a panic door a panic uh, a panic yes. room door that i can't even <laughs> like i mean the places it goes in those final three episodes i'm like what what is happening right now and i was on for the ride and by the time crows are talking to each other i was like i'm fine with that that's cool it's insane and great and 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 it really does capture rage beautifully i think it's a great show i think it's absolutely great and um and and people are you know it seems to have a buzz going. There's been some you know some trending and some social media stuff. I know a lot of a lot of my friends and people that I know have watched it and and think very positively uh, of it. And you know so I think it's I think people
0: are liking it. That that seems to be my sense. Uh, of course the. <laughs> Of course, the weekend and its buzz only lasted until early Sunday evening, at which point succession oh, right. took over everything. Right. I got you. Okay. and yeah, so <laughs> it was. It was hard to tell if pe- if if things were carrying through or if sim- you know, like even a show like uh, like Yellow Jackets, which at times has been, uh, you know, majorly dominant in my social media feeds, there, there was really very little room yeah. for even yellow jackets it's to true. have people buzzing. And, so, and, and yeah.
1: speaking of which, can we just say, cause you, are, you are of the, of this, of this generation, uh, that, that are creating things like yellow jackets and beef, uh, like, like people, people who are, 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 are hitting the forty. Uh, people who are who are turning 40, the creators of shows and the people who are making art now who are turning 40 are are really expressing it in different ways. So like beef is completely different than Yellow Jackets. But the one thing that is consistent is our uh, soundtracks of the late 90s now just <laughs> going to sell like hotcakes because beef is loaded with songs from that era, just like Yellow Jackets. <laughs> I, was, I
0: was kind of surprised because I didn't immediately internalize what was happening with the soundtrack of beef until probably the middle of this, of the series. And then suddenly I was like, my God, every yeah. single needle drop in this <laughs> <Yep>. show is, <laughs> you know, a thing that I used to rage to in. <laughs> yep in the nineties. Yep. So yeah. It, uh, and, and definitely, you know, we've, we've talked about, uh, I believe how Yellowjackets. similarly, it's, it's, it yep. is the, the, the soundtrack of my high school years yeah. is definitely this month's overall soundtrack There's, du jour. So no,
1: absolutely. And I don't, I don't have, I don't have I, have, I have no problem with that at all. I happen to love that era of music very, very much. It's just, I, I love to watch cause you know, I'm a little older than you, but I love to watch people who are approaching 40 deal with it. Um, and, and, and I, and I, this seems to, that seems to be, you know, one of the things that's, that, that beef kind of touches on. And one of the things that Yellow Jackets touches on is that sort of age range and that, that precipice of turning 40 and then all the music that goes along with the people who are turning 40 and that's the stuff they used to listen to. And I love all the needle drops in both of the shows. And I thought beef had exceptional use of music.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yellow Jackets Yellow Jackets is right on. I mean I guess yeah. I guess they were I guess they're the characters are a year younger than I am. Yes. Uh yes. but the characters in in Beef are a few years younger. And I don't know that the show ever exactly lands on how old they are. And, yeah. and there were a couple times I was scratching my head a little bit on that. Uh because I wanted, because I wanted them to be older, so that I could feel more like I related to them even more. Uh, but I right. felt like I related to them sufficiently. And honestly, anyone who anyone who drives or navigates in a in an urban area, be it Los Angeles or Chicago or wherever, oh yeah, uh, that we we all have our stories of oh, yeah. of the road rage incident yeah, yeah. and especially and like whatever,
1: in, in, especially in a park in a parking lot of like a Costco. Absolutely, no <laughs> no, no question about it. Or what's it
0: called, Forrester
1: In the uh, in the show, yes,
0: it is Forrester <laughs> in the show. But everyone has their own uh, whole, f- whole Foods parking lot <laughs> exactly. story, exactly.
1: exactly.
0: Or or the person who who you know honked at them and they flipped them off, and then yep. suddenly they found out that the person was following them three blocks later, and yep. and that oh shit feeling of, yep. of oh god, is yep. is this the since this is the situation in which I'm going to get run off the road or shot, yes. and we and I, I can't imagine anyone in any urban space has not experienced that. Uh, there, there's a lot that's that's extreme in this show, but there also is a lot that is really, really relatable. Right? Yeah.
1: It's 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 tremendous. I think it's great, and uh, I'll be interested to see how uh, the general uh, the general public perceives it. And again, you know, it was getting that huge buzz until Sunday. So there you
0: go. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll 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 come back I feel like I feel like hopefully people will discover it uh gradually as well as quickly. Also it's uh god it's been a while since Netflix has had a really really good show. <laughs> it just yeah. has been yeah, so, no, you're right.
1: You're right. Well, I mean, I, I like The Elvis. I'm 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 a big fan of the anime. I
0: LV. look, I like I yeah. like Agent Elvis, but it's not I'm not going to call it a, oh,
1: no. a great
0: show. Yeah. Yeah. And even the things that are sort of the big Netflix shows like The Crown, I you know, I just I just don't get excitement yeah. from how good it is. And this is the first time that a Netflix show in a while has really made me go, "Wow, this I was" agree. Worth I agree. I
1: agree. I agree 100%. So beef is great. We love beef. Well, I mean, I and I also am a meat eater, so I also like the actual beef. As uh, as do I. All right. Uh jury duty. Let's move on to let's talk a little bit about that. James Marsden playing James Marsden? James Marsden
0: playing James Marsden. The premise of the show is it's basically Joe Schmo season, Joe Schmo show season three, or uh, whatever your comparable thing is, whether it's Windy City Heat or whether it's uh, Paul T. Goldman or yeah, whatever, it's gotcha. it's the sort of normal person surrounded by scripted people. In this case, it is a normal guy who gets jury duty and thinks he's being in a documentary about the ins and outs of the jury system. It turns out he's actually being not exactly pranked, but just sort of in the middle of a prank uh, with um, a lot of actors who mostly aren't recognizable. Obviously, James Marsden is, and he plays himself, because you couldn't just have James Marsden playing a character. But there are a couple of the actors who are really, really recognizable. Uh, Kirk Fox, who, who people will recognize from sitcoms, is one of the others. And it, What it ultimately is, is a reminder that these shows are really complicated to produce, but if the person at the center doesn't react in interesting ways, there's just nothing to do. And the main guy in this show, his name's Ronald, and he he's just a decent guy he's and and there's nothing else to it he he's very understanding of all of the crazy stuff that's happening around him which is probably the least amusing thing that could possibly happen in that Hmm. circumstance is just a guy who who watches people being crazy around him and smiles and nods politely or who sees people being um sort of cruel and uh and silly and outlandish and is just understanding and tries to be good and so like you watch it and you go okay that's nice it, it's good that they got a person who's actually just a nice guy but the show doesn't know what to do with it it doesn't know then if he if he's not going to be funny it doesn't know what the show is going to be and i i thought it you know, runs out of energy and then basically kind of spends an episode or two at the end being like, okay, here's how we did it. It was very complicated.
1: Yeah. I don't know how I feel about these shows. Um, sometimes I don't know. It's just, it's, I mean, like, I don't know. I just, (laughs) it just makes me uncomfortable. And again, we're talking about things that, you know, we talk about squirm comedy. Um, but when it's real, when you're really kind of like playing a joke on somebody for sometimes I think it's funny and sometimes I don't, and I don't know how to discern that. You know what I mean? I, there's no explanation for what it, when I find it acceptable. And when I don't,
0: I don't know. I can, I can discern it. It's, it's who, it's who the joke is on. It's, it's who it's, it's who the joke is on and why. And it's part of why I didn't like Paul T. Goldman is because ultimately the entire premise of that show is here's a guy who's really sad and deluded and we're going to make fun of him for being sad and deluded yeah. for six episodes. And so yeah. in this case, if nothing else, because the main guy is so fundamentally decent, there's no effort at all to make fun of him. And and so that is – that's good. You don't come away feeling yeah, this is okay. gross. Okay. It is okay. It is not in any way tearing this guy to shreds or or setting things up so he looks like an idiot. Or maybe that's what they thought it was going to be, but then he turned out to be too decent to do yeah, it. Like, he yeah. he just would not participate in a way that made him look bad. And, right, right. and so I appreciate that. It does, it does not feel as if it's punching down. Instead, it just doesn't feel like it's punching. It just, it just feels yeah. like it doesn't know what the direction is supposed to be. And I can understand why, for some people who do find this genre to be uncomfortable... The almost gentleness of it could be really appealing. Mm -hmm. I just feel like there has to be a difference between gentle and entirely pointless and um, cruel. Yeah. (laughs) I guess there has to be a wide range.
1: Yeah. I you know you know and I think you you verbalized it perfectly. I guess that's what it is because there are times when it's like yeah I get, you're right. It depends on who it is and and the tone with which. If there's a cruelty to it, I can't abide by that. You know what I mean? It just bothers me. It just doesn't.
0: Do it just doesn't seem like there's a point for the most no. part because the power imbalance is so great. Yeah. And so yeah yeah yeah. And, and so here I don't I don't I don't get the impression that there was a that there was ill intent at any point. Mm. I just think that they kind of hoped. That amidst the craziness, his reactions would be more right <laughs> extreme, right? And, I got and, in, and instead, he really does spend the entire time sitting there with a half smile, just kind of nodding at people being crazy around him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just not enough. <laughs>
1: okay. And that's
0: jury duty. And where where can people see that?
1: Where, where can uh, we search, is,
0: search for that one? That is on Amazon's Freebie service. <laughs> freebie. Um, which means that you also will have to watch commercials with it. Um, ah, okay. so free so yeah, v, but Amazon
1: also, Amazon freebie. Okay,
0: exactly. Which also means All everyone right. has access to it, which is which is okay. nice. Right. Uh, but but yes, there you go.
1: That's jury duty. Okay, really quickly, uh, before we get out of here, a couple of uh, uh sitcoms that I actually watch on broadcast television that I like, <laughs> that I wanted to uh, that I want to mention to you again. I still like Not Dead Yet. I'm still on board. I like it mostly because of Gina Rodriguez, but I like the show.
0: I stopped after the Julie Sweeney episode, so okay. uh, right. not not for any particular reason. Has it gotten different, better, more nuanced?
1: Uh, it's it's kind of the same, uh, but I just I happen to really like her, and I actually like the supporting character. The show makes me laugh. I actually I'm okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it. And the other one that I that I back completely, um, that I think is I don't know I don't watch a ton of broadcast sitcoms. Broadcast television comes, But for me, American Auto, consistently clever and funny every week. Um, I'm a big fan of that show.
0: I am a few episodes behind. It is really, uh, but it is a show that I find really good and really clever. And I've been liking this season. Uh, One thing I will recommend kind of tangential to this, and I'm working my way through this one slowly because it's another one that uh, Angie reviewed. But I've watched half of Unstable on Netflix oh, and yeah. been shocked at how good it is. I shouldn't be shocked because, uh, because it's the creator of Better uh, Better Off Ted and uh, Andy Richter controls the universe. Yeah, and you know other shows that are really good shows, and so. It's, yeah. It shouldn't be shocking that a Victor Fresco show is very funny, but I, I I've still been kind of shocked at how effectively funny it is. And since you mentioned American audio auto and American audio auto in its second season has been making me think more about better off Ted. Uh, I wanted to at least mention unstable just cause I've been unstable. enjoying it and okay. it is, and it is unquestionably better off Ted esque.
1: Okay, great. All right, cool. I will definitely check it out really quick. When do you see dead ringers?
0: Um, I, I could see we're dead ringers anytime I want to. Uh, probably I will maybe get to screeners this weekend. Okay. I think I think that we will be able to talk about it in our next visit. Okay, I, 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 I think am, it actually might have premiered by
1: then. So, but yes. beyond excited, beyond excited for it. Uh, I'm I'm I am just really curious. Me too. <laughs> me too. Me too. And I mean, I, that's a, I I've told you that that's actually a movie that I took a girl on a first date to. Right. I took... <laughs> I never Sounds, told you that story. I, I feel.
0: I feel like you might have, and I can. I can imagine the yeah. consequences. No, it didn't of go it. well.
1: It didn't go well, especially <laughs> since I had already seen it. Like I took her to it. I had. Already, I knew the content of the movie anyway. But anyway, uh, and then uh, of course I, I have to ask when you get to see uh, this. Hi, I'm
2: Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Uh, when, I feel when, like. I feel like our
1: next
0: visit is going to have so many things to talk about because it's going to it's going to have the diplomat. OK, it's going to have the re- we're going to be able to talk about the return of Barry. We're going to yes. be able to talk about dead ringers. Wow. We're going to be able to talk about Peacock's Mrs. Davis, uh, which ah. is from Damon Lindelof. There is going to be a lot of wow stuff to talk. All about right. In two okay. weeks.
1: All right. So in that time, everybody watch beef. So there you go. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> OK, thanks, Dan. Always a pleasure, buddy. Till the next time, Nick. All right, see you later. Dan Feinberg, TV guy at uh, at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, and uh, Hollywood Reporter. Uh, so watch Beef, weird and awesome. And, man, big stuff to talk about the next time he's on, and he's with us every other week. You know who's with us every episode? Esmeralda Leon.
2: Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah.
1: Esmeralda. I'm talking about
0: that Esmeralda.
2: Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda, yeah, yeah. Esmeralda
0: Leon, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get yourself some Esma. Love me some Esma. Esmeralda Leon,
1: yeah. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. That's that's what the song is, in case you were wondering. If the if the lyrics were a little too complicated, <laughs> it's all about Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda.
3: Hi. How are you? Good. Oh well. I mean, you could use it with another Esmeralda Leon, I guess. But <laughs>
1: there's only there's only one Esmeralda Leon. Come on, you know that. I know there's
3: another one. She, Is yeah, uh, I think she's like she's much younger than me. Um, but I think she's like in school. Mm. Like, she does um, sports. She does so what? Then like sports? Sports. So then, yeah, it, because I have a th- um, a Google alert on my name just to see if anything ever comes up. And sometimes I'll get one, and it's this, the same name, but she does sports. It's like, someone's, Esmeralda Leon oh. whatever for running, I don't know. But she does sports, so I know mm. that's why there's, like, some kind of. So she can have it. I'm fine with that. Now
1: now the the name Esmeralda, uh do you know anybody have you ever met anybody besides the one that you share this name with and you know and alerts right. on your phone. Have you ever met another Esmeralda?
3: Yeah. It's a very common name in Latin America.
1: It is, yeah. I've I've only met I think I've met you're 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 my second Esmeralda that I've met.
3: Mm-hmm
1: That I you know, uh, obviously. Um and uh, and 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 again uh you know, I mean, I, you know, Hunchback of Notre Dame is the, is the most, yeah. uh, is the most popular one. And I love that. And it's a lovely character. So, um, yeah. And there's another Esmeralda in, oh, shit. What movie is it? Well, she's in Bewitched. Bewitched. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yes. Of right. course. Bewitched. Yes. <laughs> but it's, but there's a movie too. And I can't remember. uh oh, shit. Now I'm blanking. Oh, that. I don't know. There's another one though. There is another Esmeralda, and um, mm-hmm. so I'm surprised you don't know, I, uh, 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 um, because it's not it's not a it's not a common name in movies. But I do I do remember that there was another one.
3: Oh, in uh, Pulp Fiction.
1: Oh yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yes, there you go. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay, all right, Great. and that's about it as far as I as far as I can tell. But you you know what? Um, you didn't even hint at it the last time we were talking. I was just being a dipshit and. You had a birthday over the weekend, and I was like, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend yeah. for Easter?" And you never uh. once mentioned that it was your birthday because I'm a dick and uh. I forgot. I keep thinking your birthday is on, on is April 11th. I don't know why. I have no idea why that is. It's I don't April know 8th. either. April 8th. No, it's not. I'm, I'm a dickhead. I just, uh, but I so and you didn't even mention it. And you had a birthday over the week. Well, happy birthday, Esmeralda.
3: Oh, thank you.
1: Did you have fun? Did you did you celebrate? I, I know that you saw. Yeah,
3: you, we went out you, to dinner on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to a girl and the goat which oh, is I've never been there so oh, it was delicious
1: good. oh my god it's so good it's so good i stepped on my show about 7 times i
3: think nice
1: um, yeah because i was a, yeah as you know i'm obsessed with top chef you know um, right yeah 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 and uh, and by the way if you're watching top chef out there and you're not vo- if you're not rooting for victoire i can't even talk to you right now We can't speak. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, (laughs) but yeah, no, Stephanie, you know, she she won Top Chef. um, Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. As you
1: know, and she's um, not not only is she an amazing chef, but she's so goddamn cool. Like she's way too cool to be running two of the most successful restaurants in history. She's way too cool. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, that's cool. That's a great place, man. What'd you have?
3: Yeah, it was delicious. I hadn't uh, we hadn't been there before, so it was. What'd you
1: eat? What'd you eat?
3: Uh, we had, uh, we had a whole brand mm-hmm. Um, oh, we had, God. uh, we did, uh, there was a pig face oh, with, my, it yeah. was like yep. roasted Everything. potato or not roasted, but like fried potatoes yeah, and an yeah. egg. It was mm-hmm. super good. It's so good.
1: The pig face is the best man. I'm telling you. Oh God. It's so good. Well, anyway, that's a great way to spend your birthday. So oh, I'm, you. I'm glad you had a nice one. And I apologize for not wishing you a birthday, a happy birthday beforehand. I'm such a dickhead.
3: No, yeah, you're um, fine.
1: And I still don't know why. Uh, April 11th. I have no idea why that's in my brain. I have no idea why. <laughs> I don't know what the significance of April 11th is. Uh, right. It, I'm trying. Except, to, I'm like,
3: what is? Is anything well, happening? Well, except that it, except. I don't know.
1: Oh, you know what? It's today.
3: <laughs> yeah. I just, I, it's, uh, it is today.
1: Uh, as I look at the calendar while we tape on the day before. But it's today. Uh, so I don't know. If something happens today, I'll let you know, Esmeralda. Okay?
3: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway,
1: happy birthday! I'm glad that you had a, a lovely you. dinner and you got to spend some yeah. time with uh, with some lovely people. And uh, listen to this; everybody's very happy. Yeah, right. man. Yeah. yeah, Oh, Wow! Everybody! Oh look, the yeah. chorus! Yeah, yeah, man! <laughs> oh, 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 wait a minute! Hold on a second!
2: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I oh. love Nick's show.
1: Got a big sign that says "Happy Birthday, Asthma."
2: Oh, hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show. (laughs) All right. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show. Okay.
1: She made you a cake too. I'll eat it for you.
2: Oh, wow.
3: All right. So there you go. (laughs) She,
1: did she make it outside? Uh, wait, let me let me find out. Hold on. Oh, oh, wait. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and
2: yeah. I love Nick's show.
1: So did you make the cake outside, uh,
2: Carrie? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show.
1: Oh, you did! All right, cool. Very wow. very cool. Okay, okay. Well. Oh wait wait wait. Well, hold on a 2nd an she's oven got, out there on a yeah, grill. Yeah. There's a there's a she has an oven out there, and uh, wow. um, she's coming in now. To get some oven cleaner. All- Hi, I'm Carrie oh, I'm Russell, Russell okay. and Ranked. I all right. love okay, Nick's show. Hi, right, Carrie, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> she is so never going to do my podcast, ever. <laughs> and I'm trying to get her on. I've been trying to get her on. The, the last time we tried was when Cocaine Bear came out, but then I saw Cocaine mm-hmm. Bear, and I was like, I can't yeah. talk to her about Cocaine Bear because it's shit. <laughs> but now I'm trying because she's got this Netflix show that's coming on in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, called the diplomat so I'm trying to get around for that but we'll see but she and meanwhile she's outside cleaning an oven on my porch <laughs> <laughs> <So.
2: laughs>
1: Mhm mhm <laughs> Oh man all right all right hey was so uh um so do, do you enjoy your birthday is it something that do you do you are you one of those people that Yeah uh, I
3: mean it's fine yeah. um I don't uh I turned 40 but I really wasn't like oh my god, right. I'm 40. Like that, it doesn't really yeah. bother me like that. And it didn't. I didn't want to. I, I turned 30. I, I didn't so want to mention I'm like, it. I didn't want it's a mention. birthday. I didn't want essentially. to mention. I
1: didn't want, If you didn't want to mention it, I, I wasn't going to
3: mention it. Yeah, that you turned, I mean it's just turned, another another
1: that you turned the big
3: another turn around the, turn around the world.
1: Ten more, <laughs> ten more years, and you're going to be 50, 50 yeah. years old. Um, and
3: you'll be what?
1: I'll be Jesus Christ. In 10 years, I'll be <laughs> I'll be because I turned. I turned 58 in July. I'll turn 58. Yeah, well, I'm there old. you go. I'm old.
3: You'll be 68.
1: I'll be 68. <laughs> You'll be 50, and I'll be 68. Uh. Um, uh, <laughs> speaking of 50 years old, did you watch Molly Shannon on SNL over the weekend?
3: I didn't. I did see some bits. It was uh, not Some right. of the it sketches. Was not, it was the writer's letter
1: down. The writer's letter down. Um. Writers let her down. Um, I, but, I mean, there were there were parts of it that were great. It's funny because, like... Um, you know, you have an SNL that is hosted by, in my opinion, the funniest female cast member in the history of the show, Mm -hmm. and the show was stolen by Heidi Gardner, (laughs) so, (laughs) I mean, you know, it's like the current funniest cast, female cast member on the show kind of, you know, owned it, Mm -hmm. um, but they didn't, and she did do a Sally O'Malley at the end. Oh, good. Uh, It was a 1250 sketch. See what they did there? It was a 1250. Oh, I see. Okay. So, um, yeah, and they, they did not do a Mary Catherine Gallagher, although there were references to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they did do um, her stand-up comedian character, her bad... Don't get me started. I
3: did... Yeah, I did hear... I, I heard a little bit of that.
1: They did uh, that, but they, they advertised it like... They made fun of the Chris Rock special, mm-hmm. and it was like her special um, in the same way that they advertised the Chris Rock. It's live. Right. But you know it'll be streaming, <laughs> you know, soon. So, anyway. Yeah. Um but anyway, I didn't know whether you had watched uh, the Molly show.
3: No, I didn't watch I didn't watch all of it. I did uh the one that I did I watched most of it was the one where she's pregnant.
1: <laughs> Which she's got gas. It's yeah.
3: really just a fart. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I mean that joke uh you know, it went on for about 3 minutes too long.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean she was pretty good though, like she's... her She was doing a good job when, you know, when she found out that it was just a fart.
1: Right. Well, I mean, she's great. It's, I mean, she, she did a good job in every sketch, although every sketch was not very good. You know what I mean? Right. Like she's,
3: she's in, she's
1: incapable of being bad. She was, she
3: was trying her hardest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pushing through.
1: (laughs) Right. And my pushing through. See pregnant? See how that works? Hold on. Mm. Wait a minute. Hold on a (laughs) second. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, man. (laughs) So anyway, um, the, my, my point is that, yes, she was like doing her best and, and making it through. But the point is, I think the writers shouldn't have had to have her do that. Like they should have come to fucking play. You know what I mean? I
3: mean, yeah. But, you, you Molly,
1: know, <laughs> yeah, you got Molly Shannon That's, on your that show. That should be the
3: standard. Exactly. But, you know, what are you especially,
1: do? especially coming after last week with Quinta Brunson, which was by far the best episode of the season. Like mm-hmm. by far. And like every sketch was almost a home run. It was unbelievable. So, it's tough to follow up a show that was that strong. But you think because Molly Shannon is on, you're really yeah. going to go? Okay, look, we we brought it last week. We got to bring it again this week. So, but anyway, there are things in it that were great. And uh, Heidi Gardner did this thing on Weekend Update where she played the uh, the the over busy uh, coworker who really isn't busy but pretend she's busy. <laughs> you got You have to watch it, Esmeralda. It's fucking hilarious yeah. because we've all worked with people like that like she's like i'm slammed like she's like at one point (laughs) She can't. she I haven't eaten in three days, and she's eating a salad while she's at her at her laptop <laughs> trying to work. And then she's like, "Oh my god!" I mean, my mean,
3: that's you know, that's how you get around doing work. <laughs>
1: exactly. That was the whole point of the character. Because if
3: you look that stressed, no one's gonna it, question that is. you're not doing work.
1: <laughs> that was like it's like it's like that's, that that uh, episode of uh, Seinfeld where when George is working for the Yankees, and it's like I just look like yeah um, I'm aggravated all the time. That yeah, makes exactly. Think so, but this this character that she did adding. To the list of unbelievable characters that Heidi Gardner has created, especially update stuff because she did like this. Mm-hmm. I don't. Did you see the the character she did earlier this season where she was the mother of five? She had four daughters and a son. Did I you see that one? I don't think I saw that. No. Where she where she really likes her son too much, like oh god, oh my god, <laughs> it's unbelievable! It's unbelievable. So anyway. But yeah, so so Heidi Gardner did this bit on on update where, where and and uh, and Bowen Bowen Yang came out as Jafar from uh, from oh, Aladdin. Wow. <laughs> was, that's the funniest thing Bowen. I'm not a big Bowen Yang guy, but that's the funniest mm-hmm. thing that Bowen Yang has done on the show when he played Jafar <laughs> on update. So anyway, uh, all right. Um, well, we have a magic megaphone as we often do, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. they keep coming in, Esmeralda. I know that you're fascinated by that, but they keep the yeah, I love it. If you have a, a, a message that you would like me to speak or play into the Magic Megaphone, please do that. Leave us a voicemail at 773-417-6948 or an email at nickthepodcast at gmail.com. So this one was sent by our old friend Miles Horton. Do you know Miles? you remember Miles?
3: Yes. Yeah, Miles yeah. is
1: married to the lovely uh, Jen Bosworth uh, Ramirez. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, Miles still listens. They both listen to the po- I've got to get Jen back on. I haven't had Jen on in a while. I got to get her back on the podcast. Well, well I'm going to yeah. book her as soon as I'm done recording this. I will call Jen and we will book Jen to get back nice. on the podcast because she's so awesome. But anyway, he made a request, and you'll understand this when you hear it. Um, so this is Miles Horton's request from the Magic Megaphone. So here's the Magic Megaphone. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Wait a minute. What the hell? I want to make sure I press the right button and not get the cops in here. <laughs> here we go. Hey, listen. What the hell happened after that first album? So, hey, listen. What the hell happened after that first album? Hey, listen. So, what the hell happened after that first album? All right.
2: Okay.
1: So you know what that is? Yeah. 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 M- Miles has been listening to me for a very long time. Uh, when I start first started telling stories about my old friend Joe Donatello,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that is probably one of his most, um, as far as I'm concerned, m- most hilarious actual quotes. And that's, hey, listen, what the hell happened after that first album? Which he said to Al Jorgensen's face. Al Jorgensen yes. <laughs> from Ministry. Uh, when Ministry is, you know, uh, led by Al Jorgensen, Chicago guy, Chicago band. And they are mostly known as an industrial sort of tech punk band. Mm hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Industrial hardcore. Uh, but their first album sounds like Depeche Mode. <laughs> yeah. The first album is very. Techno, it's very dancey, it's very poppy, it's very depeche modey, very early eighties, you know, new wavy, mm-hmm. techno-y. Yeah. Uh and that album uh is called With With Sympathy. And I love it, and Joe, my my my, my old friend Joe Donatello who passed away man, two thousand eight. That's how long ago mm. it was amazing. Um but anyway, uh we loved that album and hated everything after that. Except for except for except for every day is Halloween. We love every day is Halloween as well, uh, because it sounds like Depeche Mode. But when they went industrial and they turned sort of techno punk and hardcore, Joe and I were both like, "Yeah." Joe was like, "This is a bunch of bullshit." When it when when it changed, and so Al Jorgensen, the lead singer of Ministry, who is a Chicago guy, known for uh, having some issues. You know, he had some heroin issues. He had some substance abuse problems. He liked to drive his car around doing about 80 in Chicago (laughs) and had some issues. Uh, And famously hates the first album. Hates it. Won't even acknowledge it. (laughs) Was forced to do it by the record company to get it released, to get any kind of thing released. They wanted the album to sound like what was popular at that time. And he hates Mm -hmm. the fucking record. He hates it. So the one time Joe meets Al Jorgensen face-to-face... He says, Hey listen, what the hell happened after that f- after that first album? Oh boy. And Al Jorgensen spit at him.
3: I mean then, that's not something you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happened after that first one?
1: And what was funny was and 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 Joe but because Joe like was never there wasn't no, there was no censor on Joe. Mm-hmm. And he really didn't mean it as an insult. He was like, "Really, what the hell?" You know what I mean? Like what? <laughs> like why? I mean, that, uh, a better way of saying it is like what? You know, something like, "Hey, what influenced you to change your sound so drastically after the oh, first album?"
3: Sure. You know what I mean? That's, I'm sure he. <laughs> that
1: no, but that's that's kind of what he meant. Except what right. came out was because he hates everything else after that. But what yeah. came out was, "Hey, listen, what the hell happened after?" <laughs> <laughs> the first oh, and then al jorgensen who was at his worst at that time uh mm-hmm. you know i mean he first of all he's a white guy with dreads right there's a problem yeah um and so he spit at joe and then started to walk away and joe goes that's a little fucking rude <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so that's the exchange that he had oh, and, and that's what uh that's what uh, miles wanted hey, listen. yeah what the hell happened after that first album yeah so that's uh that's <laughs> that's joe and
3: that was his exchange. i just i just love that he got spit on and Sp- he's like at. that's rude <laughs> that was a oh, little fucking rude yeah it was a little <laughs> fucking rude and they were just at like a,
1: they were at a you know a music studio joe was in mm-hmm. like studio b and jorgensen was in studio a and they were like in the common room with vending machines and shit and that's where it happened like George just spit at him. And, well, hey, that's a little Goodness. fucking root. Uh. That my favorite though is is what he said to Oliver Stone, which you know about this one. Joe was at. I told you this, right? Did I tell you this? Um, I don't know. Joe's at Joe. This is years and years ago, obviously, mm-hmm. and this is uh early nineties. Mm-hmm. Joe is at China Club, where you know, because Joe dj too. My my, mm-hmm. my buddy Joe. And sometimes he would show up when he wasn't DJing that night and make fun of the guy who was DJing. This guy sucks. You know, he would come in. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> this guy blow. You know, he would come in and say, I would not go to this song. This guy does not know how to fucking transition. You know, he would do stuff like that. <laughs> oh, God. So he's standing at the bar one night, and he's talking with the, with the you know, bartender at, at the bar, and someone bumps into him. This is at China Club. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Very, very pop. By the way, very, very pop for people who don't know. China Club. I don't know maybe I'm da- I might be dating myself. You know what China Club is, Esmeralda, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Very popular. Still, I think there might be still a couple of them in the world. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, he he so somebody bumps into him and knocks his drink over, like really slams into him and knocks his drink over. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what the fuck? You know, and he spills his drink. He turns around and it's Oliver Stone, who, who's who's <laughs> completely shit faced. Like it's Oliver Stone. Drunk ass <laughs> Oliver Stone. And and uh and, and now here just a little background. He was in town shooting exteriors and quick scenes for natural born killers. So that's how long mm, ago okay. it was. Okay, so it was early nineties, whenever that you know, like yeah. a year before that movie came out. And he was filming some stuff for natural born killers, and he was loaded and, and you know, um Oliver Stone, I don't know, you know, what's happening with him now, but for a long time he was a pretty notorious souse.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. So
1: he slams into Joe and Joe spills his drink and he turns around and there and it's Oliver Stone, he goes, Oh Oliver Stone, you know, like, and Joe has a tendency to say <laughs> the person, like he said, Al Jorgensen. He said it's like Al Jorgensen didn't know who he was. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so he goes, uh, oh, Oliver Stone. And Oliver Stone is loaded. And he goes, hey, listen. And he's got dr- a drink spilled all over him, you know, and it was all over the bar and it spilled all over him, too. Yeah. Hey, listen, you know, uh, you really slammed into me, buddy. I think you should buy me another drink. And Oliver Stone is shit-faced, and he goes, oh, fuck you. I'm not buying you a goddamn thing. Fuck off. And he's bloated, and he starts to walk away, mm-hmm. and Joe goes, oh, all right. Well, listen, heaven and earth was a real fucking treat, man. <laughs> 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 and then Oliver Stone lunges towards him, okay? Oh, no. And Woody Harrelson jumps in and pulls him back. <laughs> And as oh, wow. Woody Harrelson is pulling drunk Oliver Stone away, Woody Harrelson says to Joe, that was a good one, man, and pulled him away. <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh, of, my of goodness. all the movies to pick at that time, Joe picked the perfect one, like Heaven and Earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Heaven and Earth was a real fucking treat, pal. That's what he said. And then Woody Harrelson, bald ass crazy, because he had his head shaved because he was in right. Bald ass crazy, Woody Harrelson grabs. That was a good one, man. Pulls Oliver Stone away. So. <laughs> anyway, so that's Joe. All right. Hey, you got a, a piece of Mexican candy that you are going to taste test because um, the one that you're going to taste test, uh, I ate already.
3: Yeah, you ate it already.
1: Because I'm an asshole. You,
3: <laughs> you couldn't. You I couldn't help have... yourself, I guess.
1: I know, like the, the the particular brand. That uh-huh. you, uh, well, you may as well uh, go ahead and eat it now, and then we'll jump into our. Oh, other so topic.
3: it's uh, it's the Lucas brand, which, yeah, apparently that is your ride or die now. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just
1: I lo- anything now with that Lucas logo on it, I will I will eat yeah. it like it's. Oh my
3: god, is it good? So this one, so the last one we tried was like a noodle. It's supposed to be a noodle, right? Pretending to be a noodle, stuffed noodle. This is supposed to be like a, a an ear of corn. So mm-hmm. in Spanish, it's called um elote. That's mm-hmm. what a, a corn is, a, an ear of corn. Okay. So it's supposed to mimic that, which is like covered with like stuff and sweet stuff and mayo and all this stuff. This is not covered in May or anything like that, but it's supposed to kind of give that whole same yeah. idea. Yeah, so yeah. it's called "Squink Lote." Mm. So it's supposed to be reminiscent of the corn.: Right. The Mexican corn that you can stuff. get.
1: get I, and there, uh, I, I have to say this, um, there were two places that I used to get it at uh, uh, the Mexican corn at carts. Mm-hmm. One was at Lawrence and Kimball, right in front of the brown line. Mm-hmm. And, um, they used to have a guy, a guy would sell the Mexican corn there and I would get it all the fucking time. Like I would get on the train with it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what
3: it's, it's supposed to be oh, mobile. Fuck.
1: Yeah. And then I we, was doing a show at the Chopin theater
3: theater,
1: mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, God, just off of North Avenue. Um, I think, I can't remember exactly like Halstead and, uh, Armitages, mm-hmm. uh, in that square damn right by the Kennedy anyway but we did a show at the show pen called among the dead and every night before the show I would get a, a, a Mexican corn before the show mm. every night so goddamn good. so
3: this is this is um watermelon flavored filling with like just candy around it mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be spicy and it is let's go a little let's go
1: a little kick a little kick. I remember I did eat that because uh, we bought this. We bought this candy like two months ago, as Oh, yeah. Uh, no, and so I did I tell. Yeah, I, and, <laughs> <laughs> well, the no. last one we had. We the last one we had was the uh, the fake tamale. It was wrapped like a tamale in a corn husk. The mm-hmm. last thing we taste tested, and it and the been, corn
3: husk was just dried out, like, dry as it was a. <laughs> yeah, it completely. I mean, mind you, we're not eating that bit, but still, right, but, yeah. <laughs> it tells you. <laughs> So how? But I mean,
1: this this I'm this, this this Lucas this is, company, oh. it, it's badass. Well,
3: oh, yeah. yeah. I'm good. What, what's it's not for the fillings? Hmm. If you have fillings, don't. Um, oh, okay. You probably like don't want to eat. The... Yeah. They're gonna come.
1: <laughs> it's gonna come with you. You you're gonna be swallowing a couple of fillings. You're gonna be. Yeah. You're gonna be searching in your poop. If You wanna maybe lighter.
3: pull teeth out? Oh yeah. This could be good.
1: That's good for that. <laughs>
3: Oh, cool. let it, um, let it harden, like two months, <laughs> and then we have, yes, like we
2: have, yeah, so like and yeah, then just harden.
3: let it, let it, um, and then go to town, and I'm sure, I'm sure you could pull out some teeth, it's go. sticky, it's very sticky, but it's very like, even uh, when it's not, even when it's, it's not
1: two months old, I mean, when it's two months old, it's, oh, really, it's, it was still not, pretty, it was pretty gooey, you know what I mean, like, oh, okay. It,
3: yeah, it this was is th- gooey, but it's like it's hardened yeah. gooey.
1: It's it's two it's two two months gooey is what it is. It's mm-hmm. two months old gooey. Yeah, I
3: exactly. It's still good though. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That'd but yeah, cool. Delicious. Yeah.
1: Yes, I I highly you get recommend Lucas to sponsor us. <laughs> I would. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that.
3: So... You would love. it. Oh my god, you would die. They'd god, probably if send they If they you, just like, sent candy. us like.
1: Oh, my God. If that company just would be like, yeah, let's just send crates of candy. Holy shit. Oh, Lord. Are you kidding? I would be. That's what I would be doing.
3: (laughs) I was waiting for you to fall.
1: Yeah. Oh, wait. Hold on. Ah! There you go. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) There it is. Okay. Anyway. Hey, by the way, have you ever heard uh, uh, Steven Seagal introduce Michael Bolton when he was on SNL? Would you like to hear that? No, but yes. So, you know, Steven Seagal is widely considered to be the worst host in SNL history. Mm, sense. And his, sense. his episode, <laughs> uh, according to Lauren Michaels, who has been quoted as saying it's the worst episode of Saturday Night Live ever. Mm. Uh, and I just did. It's out right now. It's it's available now. But my last my most recent episode of that show hasn't been funny in years mm-hmm. is all about the Steven Seagal. I go through the oh, whole wow. thing. And I play I, I, th- I play clips from it. I go through the whole story behind the scenes. What an asshole he was. And this is how, this is how he fucked up everything, Esmeralda, everything. <laughs> like, every sketch he was in, it was terrible. He was, Behind the scenes, he was a nightmare to work with. Any of the stuff that was pitched to him, he didn't like. He just wanted to come out, look like a tough guy, and smack people around. Right. And he hired stuntmen. They hired stuntmen to be in a couple of scenes just so he could throw people through walls and shit, because that's all he wanted to do. I'm not I kidding. I mean, you
3: also kind of expect that.
1: Yeah. And at that time, he was, like, huge. This was the early 90s, so like he'd made like four movies in a row that were number one at the box office. So he was a nightmare to work with, and it's gone down in mm-hmm. history. Everybody who worked behind the scenes, everybody who worked with him, he was a dick. And the episode is horrendous. And he fucked up everything, including, like I said, Michael Bolton is the, is the guest, okay, is the musical guest.
2: So, mm-hmm.
1: it's a quality show all the way around. <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> yeah, but at the time, Michael Bolton was, like, the shit.
1: Oh, he was. And now he's so, cool. you know. Like, now Michael Bolton is in on the joke. You know what I mean? Like, now, thanks, yeah. to the, like, thanks to the Lonely Island guys, essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Michael Bolton now has, like, got a sense of humor about how he was mocked, you know, so, for so many years. But at this time, he was, like, he was not aware of Michael Bolton. You know what I mean? Not, mm-hmm. not Okay. But anyway... So, in addition to everything that Steven Seagal did wrong on the show, yeah. here is him introducing Michael Bolton. Are you ready for this, Esmeralda? Okay. All right, here, listen.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bolton.
1: <laughs> that's the...
3: Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bolton. So that's I mean, how we... he was enunciating, you know. <laughs> He's on television, yeah, right. so he must enunciate. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Michael Bolton.
1: Yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> I have that one queued up and ready to go anytime now. I uh, it's one of yeah. my favorites. Michael Bolton. Um,
3: I don't know why this. Oh, because I was watching Kickboxer a few days ago. <laughs> 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 um, has uh, has um, uh, John Claude Van Damme ever?
1: hosted? He's never hosted. No. Um. Aww. Neither is Chuck Norris. Um. Uh, and I. Because I, I, we I,
3: watched um. I was watching Kickboxer, yeah. <laughs> just just because it was on. Because it rules. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And then I and then we watched The Expendables two.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. Um, is that
3: the one with Jean Claude Van Damme?
1: I think they're all in all of them. There's like 20 guys. Well, in Well No, all he's
3: of them. the bad guy in it.
1: Oh, uh, I don't remember which one is which. I've seen. I, I don't, think it's I the think second I, one. I st- there's four of them now, I think. Oh or no, maybe, I think it's the second one. Okay. All right. I've seen I've they, seen um, them all. I don't remember any of them, um, but I've seen them all. The
3: Hemsworth is in it. Which one? In the oh the whole one. all of um, or, oh you mean all the Hemsworths? Liam. Oh, Oh okay. no no no, it's just one of them. Oh okay, one Hemsworth. It's okay. uh, the 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 J one. Yes, and he all dies right. in it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> He's kind of the catalyst for as to why like everything happens. Oh, all right. Um. But um, no, I was just thinking. Yeah. I'm like, has Jon Clarendam hosted? Because I think he would be funny. A, he he's never
1: hosted uh, the show, and I think um, after Stephen Segal, they probably didn't want to go to martial artist action guy anymore. That's true. They were. Probably Although like, I'm amazed I, that
3: they didn't get him like back when he was maybe yeah. like when he did JCVD because then. At yeah, that, that point was... I feel like he was in on the joke and he he, was. he kind he was. of Listen, understood I'm, it.
1: I met Van Damme a couple of times. I interviewed him a couple of times. He's yeah, a, he was very very funny. And I and I, the last time I interviewed him was for I think man I'm talking 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh 30 something years ago. I think it was for Double Impact where he plays Twins. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see that mm-hmm. you ever see that
3: one? Double yeah. Impact? Yeah, yeah.
1: You know that I would never wear silk underwear. underwear. Like yeah, there's this
3: <laughs> One of them has a mullet, right?
1: Yeah. No, no, no. The mullet is in Hard Target, which is a great movie.
3: Oh, okay. That's sorry. that's
1: a that's with Lance <laughs> Lan, Lan, Lance Lance Hendrickson is in that. Lance Hendrickson is the bad guy. Oh god. John Woo John Woo directed that. That's a fucking great movie. Mm-hmm. Hard Target's yeah. a great movie. Like legitimately great movie. Um uh, and he's made some great movies. Like he worked like like you know, when the when the Hong Kong directors started to break into American film in the early nineties and late eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh like Ringo Lamb and those guys. Van Dam worked with a lot of those guys. Like he worked with Sui Hark on a couple of movies. Um, he did, um, you know, he did a couple of movies with with those guys. But but the first American movie that John Woo made after doing like The Killer and uh, you know Bullet to the Head, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and Hard Boiled in Hong Kong, his first American movie was Hard Target, oh,
3: okay. um,
1: and it's great. But yeah, no, no, uh, uh, but no. In in Double Impact, it's it's he kicks his own ass in one scene, like he fights.
3: He fights himself. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. But I oh, believe- this one. So in Double Impact, he just has slicked back hair. Yeah. One guy yeah, has slicked back him. hair.
1: Right. And he smokes a cigar. One, yeah, one, of one guy has slicked back hair, and he smokes right. a cigar. And he would never, ever wear silk underwear. Like, that's one of his lines in the movie. <laughs> wow. Because a girl gets, you know, the, his girlfriend, like, sleeps with the other Van Damme. And goes. he goes, how mm-hmm. could you sleep with him? You know that I would never wear silk underwear, Is at one point he said. <laughs> So it du- I, double yeah. imp- du- double impact is, is fucking great. It's great. I, mean, I, I of,
3: love any movie. Uh, I am a I am a Jean Claude Van Damme fan. I am totally. I will watch into- him in anything.
1: So I remember I interviewed him for Double Impact because cause he was touring and and Roy's like you handled this interview. I don't know what the hell. You know what I mean? So Roy he came on <laughs> he Roy's great. show and Roy's Roy's like you go ahead and do the interview. I don't know what to you know because Roy didn't care and 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 yeah. And Van Dam was really popular, so Roy's like, "Yeah, let's have him on the show. You do the interview because I don't give a shit." Basically, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so I did the interview. Roy, you know, Roy would add a, ask a couple of questions here and there, but I did most of the interview because I know martial arts movies really well. And so I'm talking mm-hmm. to him. And we go to a commercial break, and I and we was like, he's like, you know, I was uh, I was here in this studio. Uh, when was the last time I was here? And Roy couldn't remember, but I said, "You were here for Cyborg because he came. He came into town." <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to, to promote Cyborg, okay, and and we were during a commercial break, and he's like, "Ah, oh, Cyborg!" and then there's a pause, and Van Damme goes, "Good trailer, shitty movie." <laughs>
3: <laughs> See, I mean, he at least he can recognize.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, he's no. There's Van Damme is great Bloodsport is one of the greatest movies ever. I mean, yeah, I but, love um, all the the Lionhearts, the kickboxers. Uh, all of them. They're all all that shit. That whole string in the late 80s into the early 90s, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and then, like I said, when Chewie Hark and when Ringo Lam and when John Woo and all those guys started to get attention in America because of the great shit they were doing in Hong Kong with like Chow Yun-Fat and Michelle Yeoh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. When those directors came into town, you know, came to America, the studios were like, well, let's team them up with Van Damme and see what happens. And they made good movies. Nowhere to Run yeah. with Rosanna Arquette was directed by Ringo Lam, A tremendous movie. Um, and he also directed, uh, you know, he, he worked with the guy who directed The Hitcher. So Van Damme did some good stuff. But I just love his reaction to Cyborg. Ah, Cyborg. <laughs> Great trailer. Shitty movie.
3: <laughs> and I didn't want to I say mean, that yes. Is, I, it, that is why I watched Expendables 2 because he was in it. I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, I want to watch this one.
1: And then you did see the the, the uh the, the JV. uh Oh yes. Which is really no. a good movie. I like said a legit
3: D- Yeah. Yeah. Really good, yeah. A
1: legitimately good movie. Um so yeah. Now I root for the Van Dam. I root for the Van Dam. And you know how he got how he got the gig, right? How he got Bloodsport, right? No. Oh my god, I have to tell you I can't believe I'm telling you this the story is hilarious. Okay. He walked – so Canon was this film company, notorious film company, run by Mm -hmm. uh, Menachem Golan and Globus, Golan Globus. And in the 80s, they were the biggest – there's a documentary called uh, Canon Electric Mm -hmm. Boogaloo. Yeah. And it's fantastic. In the 80s, they did every kind of movie – they were huge, uh, like independent film company. They did kung fu movies. They did action. They did. They imported foreign films. They had great directors like Andrei Konchalovsky and other, like Luke, uh, Luke uh, uh, Godard did a movie uh, for mm-hmm. those guys. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> there was a period of time when they were importing great directors from other places and they were doing foreign movies. They did He-Man, Masters of the Universe was, was, nice.
3: was called it. I just watched that too,
1: <laughs> you must be the the queen of of the of the Canon Film Club. I'm telling you,
3: well, so we get the the streaming service pluto pluto yeah. TV, oh yeah, 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 and I like watching the the live, quote unquote live t v yeah, and there's all those different movie channels, so <laughs> that's all they play, yeah. I, and I, well, I saw those, Kickboxer and He-Man, and <laughs> I've been yeah. watching all of them. I'm like, well, And I like it because they just pop on, and I'm like, ooh.
1: Yeah, and those are, those are great. That's great stuff. I mean, I, you know, like that. And by the way, if you've not seen that canon documentary, it's legitimately great. Like, mm-hmm. it's great. Like, I mean, it's named after Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo, which, of course, is one of the most mocked sequel titles of all time because yeah. it's one of the yeah, greatest yeah. titles. And that movie came out literally, they went into production because Breakin made so much money in the summer of 1984. Mm-hmm. They literally went pro- into production and turned it around in 3 months. Like they made the se- <laughs> they, they made, <laughs> literally had the sequel out the same year. Like it was like 6 months later the sequel was out and it was shot in like 5 days, you know what I mean? And they had yeah, yeah. Bo- Boogaloo Shrimp was in it and you know uh and, and Lucinda Dickey <laughs> and all of those all the people uh So so anyway, um so you, you but but here's how he ended up getting a movie. So Van Damme walks in, he's the muscles from Brussels, okay? He can't, he can hardly yeah. speak, he can hardly speak English. <laughs> and he walks into either Golan or Globus's office, one of the guys, or maybe both of them. And he walks in, and he's, and he's a, you know, he's a specimen, obviously, you know that. He's fucking built and, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful man. Can't speak English worth a day, worth a day. Yeah. So he walks in and he, he's like, hello, you should make a movie with me. And, and so and so like the Golan or Globus is like, why? And he's like, because of this. And so Van Damme takes two chairs. <laughs> he puts one on one side and separates the one to the other side. And then he does the splits, as you know, Van Damme. Can do. Mm. So he yeah. puts one foot on one chair, spreads his legs, puts another foot on the other chair, and then bounces up and down while doing the splits.
3: Right.
2: Okay, That's with it. his arms
1: crossed, and which you've seen yeah. him do. He does it in every movie. I mean, yeah, time cop, they, well, time he cop.
3: did it. He did it for an ad.
1: Yeah, oh, they, oh, yeah. For the truck ad. Right. He's like on the like he's he, he, the, the truck is driving down the road. Right. It's like a, it's yeah, a car, I forget it's a what. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But he's yeah, he's he's doing that signature move.
1: Right. And that's one of his signature moves. I mean, like in Time Cop, when they shoot a taser as him, he, he jumps up and does the splits on the, in the kitchen counter. To avoid that. <laughs> I'm, I'm
3: doing, a, I just did a Google search, Jean-Claude Van Damme splits, and then you know how, there's the but, the other things that come up. Right, one of like them is between chairs. Between, I, right. <laughs> so people are looking this up. Right. So he did and this. There, mis- is, there are a bunch of images of him <laughs> doing this. <laughs> he does it in every movie. Like, that's his thing. So oh, yeah, he, there's a bunch of just like stock footage <laughs> or pictures of him just doing this I, on by Google the way, Images.
1: Do, do you know that the first date I went on with my first wife with Time Cop? that was the. First, oh, wow. That was our first movie. Anyway, um, I, I always remember the first. I, I, can, I can tell you right now, uh, not everyone that I went on, but I can tell you the first movie that I saw with every girl I've had a relationship with. I can tell That's you. That's crazy. I can tell you. I don't know what it means. Like The first, the first movie I saw with my first wife was Time Cop was Van yeah. D- was Van Damme. Which uh, by the
3: way, mm-hmm. um the oh, what's the movie that you that she you never had another date with her again?
1: Dead Ringers. Oh yeah.
3: Yes. Did you know that they're doing a oh, remake? Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Rachel Weiss. Are yeah. you Are you Oh, oh you no. I'm you stoked. Okay with that? I'm totally stoked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> totally totally stoked. I can't fucking wait. I love the fact that they that they've made it a woman.
3: I immediately uh, thought of you and your date. I-
1: <laughs> my <laughs> yeah.
3: When I saw the trailer. Yeah. I was like, "Oh." My, my date
1: was traumatized by the movie. Um I right. love the fact I love the fact that that first of all, I love Rachel Weiss. I fucking love her. And um and I love that they've made the twin gynecologists women. That adds a mm-hmm. whole new that adds a whole new level of awesomeness to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh no, I'm all about it. It uh, it premieres April 21st on Prime. I will trust me. <laughs> <laughs> trust me, I'm all about it. But but yeah, so so um what the hell was I saying? So Van Damme.
3: So Time Cop was your so, first. Time Cop, yeah.
1: Time Cop was my first wife. My second wife uh, was Sideways. <laughs> was oh. Movie Side- <laughs> Sideways. I don't know what that means. But uh, let's see. One of my one of the girls I had a relationship with was Pitch Black with Van with uh, What's His Ass? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel.
3: With, <laughs> okay.
1: There was a, I don't have a great record with these uh, with these uh, things. So, but anyway. I mean
3: that's fine. That's a good theater movie. I guess,
1: yeah. I mean we it. We were together for you know action and such. Three
3: years we were together? So that was you know, it was alright.
1: We laughed at it. So But anyway, Van Dam. So he goes into Golan Globus' office and he then he does the splits on two chairs. Mm -hmm. and Globe is just like, oh, that's very impressive, you know, and he's kind of clapping, and and Van Damme's got his arms folded, and he's bouncing up and down with his legs completely spread doing the splits, and then, Mm -hmm. like, he reaches into a gym bag that he brought in with him. Mm -hmm. While he's doing the splits, he's got a gym bag in front of him. He's still doing the splits. He reaches down into the gym bag, and he pulls out two bricks, and he breaks both of them over his head. Oh, Wow. And then Globus goes, sign, sign right here.
3: I didn't know he could do that
1: one. They gave him a That's how Bloodsport got made.
3: Because oh, Van cool. Damme
1: walked into the office, took two chairs, did the splits, broke two bricks over his head. And they were like, this guy's a movie star. Let's make a movie.
3: <laughs> Let's make Good a movie. for him. He can't speak Good English. for him. But he
1: can do the splits and he can break a brick over his head. He can't speak English, but that's okay.
3: Eh, they can just dub it. <laughs> if it's really that bad, they'll just dub oh, it.
1: Oh <laughs> man! So anyway, but yeah, Van Dam, uh, legend. Do you have, is is do you is like kickboxer? Is your is kickboxer your favorite? Lionheart is awesome I'm,
3: too. i I think Lionheart. Well, it's that same guy, isn't it? The bad the, guy,
1: Bolo is the. It, well, Bolo is the guy from the, the in, in Bloodsport. Bolo is kind of the main villain. In he Lionheart is, it's
3: someone else, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: I can't remember. I get them confused, but but I know that Bolo from Enter the Dragon is the main bad guy in Bloodsport. Uh, I just
3: remember he, they both didn't they both have the both bad guys didn't they both have a uh, the yeah I think ponytail braids uh, yeah I'm not because I, Cause I, I get, know in Kickboxer he's got the ponytail braid but I think it's another guy in another one or not, yeah. you know what that might be Kickboxer two. <laughs>
1: Okay, I might be getting. I might. I, I'm. I haven't seen these movies in a long time. There was a period of time where I could have told you everything, but it's been a long oh, I time think since. In,
3: like... Maybe he.
1: <laughs>
3: Wait, is that? Wait, is he even in Kickboxer Two?
1: No, he's not in Kickboxer Two.
3: Oh, okay, but that same guy is in it again. Who's? Yeah. See, now I'm like, who is that other guy? I'm thinking of because he too has a braid.
1: Uh. I don't know. You mean as the as the hero? As the bad guy?
3: No, oh, no, no. As the he's bad. A bad guy.
1: I don't know. I couldn't. I'd have to see him. I'd have to. I'd have to be able to see him to tell you who he was. But the guy who played the bad guy in Bloodsport, the big guy Bolo, he was famously in Enter the Dragon, the Bruce Lee movie. Like he's like the these these Bo- and he gets his ass kicked by John Saxon in in oh, Enter okay. the Dragon. John oh, Saxon why did kicks Bolo's ass. I think Bolo's
3: he ass. too had a ponytail
1: break? I don't know. I don't know.
3: It, but it's quite bad guy with ponytail braid.
1: They all they all kind of meld at some point. Like all of those movies kind of meld together. Yeah, and no, seriously, and they're, and they're all fucking awesome. I mean, I you know what I mean? They're all great. I, I oh yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, no, I would anything anytime like somebody's like Bloodsport, or whatever. Yeah, uh, who's in it? John Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. I will watch it. I, I Let's agree. Watch this.
1: See, and that's and that's the thing though. Like that, I will watch anything with Van Damme. Whereas, like, I'm pickier with like Stallone and I'm pickier with like Schwarzenegger but Van Damme I'll watch anything and even Cyborg and Cyborg's a terrible movie but I would want but for some reason like if it's Van Damme I'm like yeah I like for some reason there's like a good natured quality about Van Damme
3: oh yeah and and how about you know and just the fighting the fighting though he's good yeah
1: it's all he's fucking rules what about what about the one where uh like he he has to he has to play goalie for the penguins do you remember, do you ever see this one? Where, uh, <laughs> Which it's, one is this? It's called Sudden Death because it's a hockey movie. It's
3: a, <laughs> oh, no. No, look. Oh, at He his brother, plays he, hockey?
1: He plays goalie. Like, at one point, he's in an NHL game. Oh, wow. As a fucking goalie. And I think it's the, I'm, I'm almost positive that it's, uh, that it's Pittsburgh. I'm almost positive.
3: Oh, wow. I have not seen this one. Oh, uh,
1: sudden death. you ha- It's the I same director. By uh... the way, same director as Time Cop. Same director as Time Cop. Oh, Peter okay. Himes. Peter Himes from Chicago. <laughs> Directed it. And he beat, by the way, you know why it's another one of the greatest movies ever, Esmeralda? Because he gets mm-hmm. into a fight with the mascot. That's oh, another, reason why-, that's another <laughs> reason
3: why it's the greatest.
1: He gets into a- There's an extended fight sequence with, with Van Damme uh, and the Pittsburgh mascot.
3: I do, I do love Jean Claude Van Damme. I just haven't seen most of the movie. I haven't seen the movies where he's not in a tournament fighting.
1: <laughs> I right, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: Those are the ones that I've seen the most. So yeah, the Lionhearts and I, I've seen Bloodsport. Yeah, and kick-boxer. and
1: kickboxer, Kickboxer. Yeah, I mean, but the but the stuff that he did, like the 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 sort of like straightforward, sort of like. One yeah, but the man. ones with,
3: with storylines right. I, I the, seem to have not right. really seen.
1: <laughs> yeah, but those are but those are those are just fantastic stuff. Time cop and sudden death uh have great shit in them. And and just to yeah. watch him pretend to be a goalie and at one point like Nobody knows it's him because he's got a mask on because he's, mm-hmm. he's a goal and evidently, you know, just because he's Van Damme and can do the splits, he can make remarkable saves. <laughs> because. Oh yeah, cuz he
3: cause he splits and then he hits. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. I could but see that. I, yeah. The
1: thing I remember from that is that like he he makes some, like he they win the game or something because of him. I don't even fucking remember. It's just so absurd. But like, I would he assume a, so, right, say, doing and the then, splits. Like, he, he looks out into the audience. There's like 30,000 people in the stadium or 20,000 people in the stadium. He looks out into the audience, and he's estranged from his young daughter. Mm. And then he takes off the mask, and then they realize, the daughter realizes that it's her dad in the net. <laughs> wow. Made
3: this... <laughs> Did she not know that he was a goalie? No, because he's not. He's an undercover oh. like cop. He had to pretend oh, to be a goalie. Okay. Oh, I yeah.
1: see. You know, he's like, he's like, he's like the, you know, you know, like Bruce Willis and Die Hard. He's in the, the, like, he's the guy thrust into the situation. You know what I mean? Now,
3: could he? Was he able to skate? Or do, you, do they yeah. show him skating out? Yeah,
1: no, he's a, he comes in, he, he, he like, gets into the. I can't remember exactly, but he's in so the. So he locker can room.
3: skate or anything. It's not like yeah. he's completely like no, Ooh, no. I and he's know. making
1: amazing saves. Look, what I'm saying is like he's making these unbelievable saves in the at an NHL level. You know what I mean? <laughs>
3: so. I think what this movie is telling us is that goalies for a hockey should maybe learn some martial arts. They should to get, then, because yeah. then you can use that. <laughs> well, and I think win, it, I, like Jean Claude Van Damme. I think
1: I think ultimately the message that Van Damme brings is that we should all balance between two chairs and break bricks over our heads. We could be better to at
3: get things. jobs. Yeah, exactly. get That's what I should job. do.
1: That's what I should do now. I haven't had a job in a couple of years. I should just go into an office and break a brick over my head and do the splits. And then I'll be I mean, you
3: kind of be able to do the splits (laughs) and break the, you know. I've broken a bunch of shit on my head. I'm just saying if (laughs) you can't. Yeah. So,
1: all right. Well, I don't know how we got into it. All right. Well, Van Damme. But anyway, so Pluto TV shows a lot of that. And we've already (laughs) now we've got my dad's got to tell a joke now because we've gone on forever about Van Damme. But that's very Very good. All right. (laughs) Oh, hold on a second. All right.
2: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Hi, Carrie. I love Nick's show.
1: Jesus Christ, she just brought in muffins now. Boy, she's really taking advantage of it. Wow. All right, are you ready for my dad's joke? Mm hmm. All right, here we
2: go. It's the best part of the
1: week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. What I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time.
2: Next, Dad tell a joke. Oh, yes! Here we
1: go. Yeah. All right, my dad is uh, had to push Carrie Russell out of the way. <laughs> All right. That's I mean, probably... that's the norm, right? It is. It is. <laughs> but he did get—he did get a muffin. My dad does have a okay, muffin. Okay. Well, that's uh, very good. That's All right. nice. Here's my dad and his joke. Go ahead, dad. What's Irish and hand comes out in the spring? Patio furniture. Oh, well, there you go. Wow. Yeah, that's it. A... <laughs> my dad dusting off an old classic right there, yeah. <laughs> that was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bolton. Right. So, uh, <laughs> wow, At the old he pat- said it right. The patio furniture joke, man. A tried-and-true classic. Mm. Yeah, all right. Are you enjoying more candy, Esmeralda? Yeah, I'm still trying to eat this thing.
3: <laughs> all right, well, uh, thanks, I everybody. I keep having to the- mute my microphone because it's pretty, like, ridiculous <laughs> trying to yank this apart. A, a two-month-old
1: uh, candy from Lucas yeah. uh, is what she's It's good, though. It it's As still good. It, it's damn good. Those guys. Those guys make great candy. All right. Hey, you want to be a part of the podcast? (laughs) Leave your voicemail message at 773-417-6948. Drop us an email, nickdpodcasts at gmail.com. You want to be a sponsor? Advertise with us if you want. Hey, uh, Lucas, a candy company. We're talking to you. Sales at radiomisfits.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs uh, for all the music. My thanks to Ed and everybody at uh, radiomisfits.com. Next time, we'll talk with Eric Childress and Steve Procopi with all the new movie reviews, including Esmeralda, will be reviewing on Friday, uh, the new Nicolas Cage movie, Renfield. Um, in which he plays Dracula. Mm
3: -hmm. so
1: That that should be interesting. That's twice now, right? That he's played Dracula?
3: Oh, vampire, I guess.
1: Vampire, well, vampire's kiss, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. He thinks he's a vampire in Vampire's
3: Kiss. Oh, he Uh, isn't?
1: No, he's just a a loon. He's He's just a loon? Yep, he's just a loon. (laughs) And And that, by the way, is my favorite Nicolas Cage performance of all time. But so,
3: it's quite a uh, yeah, quite a performance amazing
1: so <laughs> ridiculous all right anyway thanks everybody for uh, for checking us out and we will be back again on friday and uh, and check us out uh, check everything out over at uh, radiomisfits.com so thank you the wind is on